0: This is MRN Crew Call, brought to you by Hercules Tires.
2: I've said it before here on Crew Call, the men and women who take care of these race cars during the running of NASCAR races are amazing athletes. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. I'm Steve Post, pit road reporter for Motor Racing Network, and this is Crew Call by Hercules Tires, right on our strength. One of my buddies in the garage area is Justin Fiedler. He is a rear tire changer for Richard Petty Motorsports. A great guy. Loves his short track racing, loves his NASCAR racing, and he is a real student of pit stops and all things pit roads. So we're going to talk to Justin here today on Crew Call. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches,
0: the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths, find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches.
2: One of the things I said, crew call serves during this time period, is a chance to catch up with some friends that I don't get to talk to in the garage with the restrictions and the protocols we have. And one of my buddies, we end up talking more dirt track racing than anything else, is Justin Fiedler. He joins us here on crew call. Hello, Justin, welcome into the show. Hey, postman, how are you? I'm fantastic. Great to uh, great to catch up with you virtually. I we we wave once in a while. We see <laughs> yeah. each other, but uh, but it's uh, it, it's nice to do it real time. And I think the other good news is that there's a uh, there's hope on the horizon for some of us to get maybe that garage back area to normal. It's been a strange time, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it really has. That's like been one of the hardest things, I think, to kind of get used to through all of this is, you know, I, I've been going to the racetrack and I've you know, i been in NASCAR for 15 years at this point. And, you know, you expect certain things on, on race day. And then when you show up and all of a sudden there's no fans, you know, even in the stands, there's no fans on pit road. It's a completely different experience than what we're used to.
2: One of the things that's kind of unique is that you're showing up at the same time as the road crew. Yes. It used to be the road crew would go in a day or two early. They're the ones that service the car during practice and qualifying. Your Sunday or race day is about the same, but you're, you're, you're all traveling the same schedule. That's got to be different
1: as well. Well, we even had some races where we actually showed up before the road crew did like uh, Las Vegas was one of those where they didn't actually have to come in until later because they'd done tech on Saturday. So they didn't like their actual check-in times. Cause I don't know how much fans know, but we actually have a specific check-in time. We have to show up and their check-in times were actually after ours. so I actually had to come in and open up the hauler and do all of those things and get our guys rolling. So we could get pit road, you know, ready for the race. And then after that, then the road guys come in. So then of course, when they come rolling and then we have to give them crap about showing up after us about them showing up late and making you know oh, we were worried about you guys did you guys you know did you have car trouble you know did you just sleep late or something today so we had to give them a little crap for that so but yeah it's it's been wild nothing wrong with that hey before i get too far down the road uh
2: talladega your race car i mean i know you you service the car and a jack is a jack an air gun is an air gun a lug nut is a lug nut a car is a car but if you're going to go to a racetrack that tuskegee airman U S air force car, but you
1: got, you guys had the best looking hot rod on the tour this past weekend. That's one of the neat things about the air force partnership Uh, that Richard Petty Motorsports has had for a very long time is, and especially here in the last couple of years, we've had some really, really cool race cars. And you go back to like, we had the, you know, the shark's tooth car. And and now with the Tuskegee Airmen car, they are pulling out like all of the stops when it comes to these Air Force paint schemes. And it's so much fun. Like when you have a car like that on the racetrack, everybody knows what it is. Everybody's excited to see it. And it's really, really cool to have those opportunities to pit those race cars.
2: Absolutely. It is neat. It really, truly is. You guys are Richard Petty Motorsports, a driver change this year. Bubba was so much part of the fabric there and getting a new guy in the driver's seat with Eric Jones. How has that transition
1: been for you guys and uh, just, just, just kind of getting up to speed with a new guy. It's actually been really good. Eric is such a professional and it's weird to think that as young as he is, but he has been, you know, everything you would expect him to be kind of coming from the background he's come from and, you know one of the big things for us is obviously that kind of interaction of of him getting on and off pit road and and how important him setting us up for good stops is and and you know you for a guy that's been you know a race winner at the cup level and and has the experience he has he was everything you would have expected him to be um and like i feel like one of the things we've kind of missed a little bit just because of some of the COVID restrictions is that opportunity to really kind of get to know him on that personal level a little bit but We've got to do a little bit of that, but he is obviously personality wise, everybody is going to be a little bit different, but it's been really fun to kind of have him come in and, and help us, you know, elevate our program and, and show us where we can be better. And, and, you know, it makes you want to be better for him because you know what he's capable of. Um, and so it's been really fun, you know, this kind of whatever first tenor, I don't even know how many races we've done at this point, but the, over this first kind of part of the schedule to kind of get to know him and, and really, you know, see where we can go with the program and see what's possible.
2: Justin, one of my past gigs was doing PR for a truck series team when we transitioned from halftime break to pit stops, okay? And our team manager, Dave Fuge, he he said, Mike Freeman, you're going to be the gas guy. Here are the things you need, and yada, yada, yada. And when he got to Randy Tolsma, our driver, he handed him like three pages of notes. He said, I know you're the driver, but what you have to do is the most important part of the pit stop because you set things up for the rest of these guys. What are a few things that a good driver does to help you guys pit crew uh, to to, to pit these cars?
1: A a big thing about the way the drivers kind of get on and off pit road is maximizing that speed. And, And, you know, you hear all the time about, you know, drivers, you know, getting caught on pit road or things like that. But there's like a five mile an hour window where like, you know, if they tell you that the speed limit on pit road is 55, you can actually get away with 59. And so the guys that are able to really maximize that window and really go all the way to that limit without going over, that's big because if you are not doing that, you're going to be losing time. So you need to maximize the in-lap, maximize the out-lap. And then for us, We talk about this, you know, in terms of, you know, being able to read the car and judge the car and and the guys that are really good about getting into the box are those guys that bring it in hot and lock it down and, you know, you want him to stop in a specific place, obviously, you know, the closer you can get to kind of the middle of the box, the better off you're going to be, but if you guys, if you have a driver who's going to roll in slow, who you're not sure, like he might stop and then roll a little bit more, like you just don't know where he's going to stop. That makes everybody hesitate. So it's like, okay, you, you got to almost like take a step back to see where he's going to stop. But when a guy rolls in hot and locks it down and c- comes sliding to a stop, I can judge that I know where he's going to end up at. And that makes it a lot easier for us as pit crew members to figure that out. And so you look at the guys who are really good on pit road. guys like Kyle Busch is, is one of those that comes to mind. Those guys do such a great job, not only rolling pit road, not only in lap, not only in lap, but also getting into the box because getting into the box, sets your guys up for that opportunity to have a really fast pit stop. So you're the uh, rear tire changer. So you're coming around the back of the car.
2: Um, you're probably not risking jumping off the pit. bike. when, when do you leave the wall? When do you leave the wall knowing you've got to cross right behind that race car?
1: For me, like for the front guys, so as a pit crew member, you've got your own box and then you've got the box behind yours. You cool. can actually leave the wall legally as soon as the, your car crosses the back line of the box behind you. So you basically get like a one pit stall cool. kind of buffer zone. For me, I try to get the car actually halfway behind, you know, the, that stall behind us, either halfway through that box or maybe even a little closer before I leave. Because when I come off the wall, I don't want to have to stop. And when I come off the wall, I'm actually moving to my right, kind of away from where the car is going to end up stopping, because that gives me even more space to work with. So I come off the wall to the right. And then as soon as the car rolls by me, it's just one hard pivot step to then be able to to get to that right rear. And, And like I said, I don't want to come to a stop. You'll see some changers, you know, they'll come off the wall. They'll have to stop, wait for the car to roll by and start again. Well, that stop and start is completely wasted movement. And like a, a guy who, who kind of stands out in my brain is, is Steven Taugis, who's the rear changer on Brad Keselowski's car. He actually cheats when he can way down the pit wall, like into the team, uh, into the box next to his, because he's trying to get as good of an angle as he can kind of in that same vein. So, you know, for me, it's not about getting out in front of the car, obviously, and I got to wait for the car to get by me. So I try to wait as long as I can, you know, for that car to get into me more before I'm going to leave the wall.
2: You mentioned the rules, the the, the protocols, the, the, or the, the, you know, you can't leave before the next pit box. I think back to the Martinsville race last year in the fall, Chase Elliott's pit stop, the Jack man left too early, came back, tagged the wall in complete honesty. I'm watching that thing on the big screen. And I think the Keystone cops have just rolled in, but how much do you guys, how important is that you know all the specific rules that when you have a situation like that, how much do you study that when there's a chance, how, how does that process work so that you know everything, even when you missed up, you're able to get back and reset the pit stop?
1: For for our pit crews, you know, especially the 43 and, and, and for the most part, like the, the RCR teams that we work with, we're kind of partnered with the RCR teams. We have a lot of really veteran guys. And so over the course of your career, obviously you're going to start to get to know those rules but then every year you know especially at the beginning of the year when when you know new rules come out and things change a little bit like we'll get together and we'll have meetings and talk about this stuff it's important to understand like i don't need to know all of the things in the rule book i don't need to know all of the tolerances with the body and you know all the different things they're doing that stuff's not important to me but when it comes to your specific area like you better understand the rules and what you're up against and we even had a situation here in the last couple of weeks where somebody came to us with a problem that you know something we were going to have to fix on pit road and it was like, we're going to do this thing. And we're like, well, per the rules, you're actually not allowed to do that thing. And like, they didn't even realize, and, and you know, this was somebody pretty high up at, at in, you know, in a team. And then they went and checked with NASCAR came back and was like, oh yeah, you guys are right. And it's like, yeah, like that's important for us. We have to understand what we can and can't do over the wall. And, and especially lately with, you know, the time limits, when you have crash damage and how many guys you're allowed over the wall, like those penalties Are really like, you know, you're talking lap penalties sometimes for some of this stuff and, and, you know, or multiple lap penalties. And so it's like, if you break those rules, it can be very damaging to your race. So it's really, really important that you understand what you can and can't do over the wall.
2: Yeah. It's fascinating. It really, truly is fascinating. All the, all the details that get into it. So when you, when you look at it from race to race, we just got done at Talladega, we're going to Kansas, we're going to Darlington, we're going, and then we're going road course racing at Coda. Um, your preparation for each of these races, how, how much, how much is different? How much is the same? How precise is Talladega practice that you did last week versus Kansas practice you're doing this week? How, how much different or what, what things do you look at differently between races like that?
1: Well, uh, coming up places like Kansas and Darlington, we call those pit stop tracks. Like we're going to come in, we're going to do a lot of four tire pit stops. Like those are the places we get excited about. Right. Cause that, you know, those are pit stop tracks. We're going to do a lot of stops. A place like Talladega is, you know, and and you will change your preparation because you are going to do different things for the course of that day. And Talladega is going to be much more about two tire stops, Mm -hmm. fuel only type things. And so as as the week progresses leading into a race like that, you will do stuff like that. You'll go back and do some left side tire stops. You'll do some right side stops because, you know, we don't over the course of a normal season or, you know, over the course of a normal race, we're not going to do a ton of two tire pit stops. There's a few tracks here and there, you know, now, but like, you know, if you go back to Richmond or, or Martinsville or some of these places that we've done even before that, Like there's no two tire pit stops going on. So leading into a race like Talladega, you know, we'll do right side stops, we'll do left side stops just to get that feel again, because obviously things are going to be a little bit different. Um, But you know, the the preparation will change and the way you look at those races changes like obviously Talladega is the, the time you can gain or lose on pit road is important. Like, let's not say it's not important, but everybody's going to be on different strategies. Like sometimes you're going to come down. Some guys are going to get four. Some guys are going to get fuel. So like what you gain or lose on pit road is not as important. And especially because it's so easy to pass and, and get passed on those tracks. Whereas, you know, we don't look at them as an off week, but it's just, it's a very different mindset. And, and there it's more about making sure you get wheels tight, making sure you get, you know, no penalties, stuff like that, because those are the types of things you, you lose the draft, stuff like that is, is massively, you know, problematic. Whereas like you go somewhere like Kansas this week or, or Darlington next week, those are big time pit stop tracks. You got to be tuned up, ready to roll. You got to be hydrated. You got to know that you're going to be up against, especially a place like Darlington. We're going to do 10, 12 pit stops over the course of that 500 miles. Like You got to be ready to do a lot of stops and, and, and be physically prepared in terms of hydration and all of those things to do all of that work.
2: When you practice pit stops during the week, do you do them at full speed? Do you walk through? Do you how 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 intense is the practice that you have up there at RCR?
1: Uh, I, I will tell you this: so Martinsville was a night race, and our one of our coaches is Eric Wilson, and Eric was a Jackman for many, many, many years, and was on cars at RCR. Car, you know, Casey Kane when he was at Evernham. Eric had all of the lights turned off because we actually practice indoors at RCR. He had all of the lights turned off in the building. And then to mimic the brake dust, he had taken black graphite like spray in a can and sprayed all of the lug nuts So we were in there, like I had my helmet on with my light on and everything because he was like, it's gonna be dark. You're gonna have a lot of brake dust. And and then the other thing he did is he took torque wrenches and torqued all of the lug nuts to way more than what they should have been torqued at. Because as there's more brake heat than the lug nuts get harder to get off. So like you have those weeks where you're gonna do crazy stuff like that just to be prepared. So when you do go to the racetrack, it doesn't feel so foreign and so crazy. Um, But yeah, practices can get fairly intense. I I feel like in terms of, you know, maybe some of the younger guys, maybe you'll do some more walkthrough type stuff just to work on choreography and things like that. But our group, I mean, I've been doing this 15 years. Our carrier, James houck has been doing it 17 years. Kyle Power, our front changer has been doing this 20 years plus, you know, for us, it's like, we need game reps. We need that full speed rep because we're, you know, we're working on very small changes, very small differences. uh, And we need that full speed to be able to kind of see how those things play out
2: so you have full speed during the week and then you talked about it with Kansas and then Darlington with all the pit stops you're going to do what is the what is the fitness training that you guys uh, participate in then
1: uh, a couple of days a week. Um, we've got a, a trainer up at RCR who will run us through a, a program after practice. Um, and it, it depends on the day, you know, we're doing some cardio stuff, some strength stuff. Um, you know, some of the CrossFit moves and things like that have, have gotten popular here lately. Um, and, and for us, it's, it, it's twofold, right? You you want to maintain your fitness level through the season, but then you're also trying to make sure that you're not going to be injured and, and causing problems for yourself because we have a very, very long season. You know, we're racing from February to November and, and especially as we start getting into these hotter months, summer months, it's going to be harder and harder on your body. And for our team, we pit all three series. We have a truck deal and we have an Xfinity deal besides, you know, that we also pit the 43. So we're going to be doing a lot of stops through the course of the season. So, you know, a lot of like, I I personally do a lot of stretching, a lot of foam rolling. We've got massage guns, like we've all of these things to try to help make sure that we're feeling good. And and then, like I said, staying hydrated, eating the right things. uh, So you can be as physically prepared as possible when the season or when the races come around.
2: You mentioned the various Xfinity and Truck Series programs, and they're very important. You're contracted out to do that. Your goal is to win the races there. But how important is that to get reps the day before the big race, the cup race, uh, versus maybe going in cold? Is it is, is that a serious consideration as well with doing all of the extra stuff?
1: Um, it's not so much. And what I've kind of talked about in the past is, the Xfinity deals are a little bit better in terms of kind of getting us tuned up for Sundays because the cars are a little more similar. The trucks are so difficult to pit and, and things are so different with a truck that it's not really a warm up for us. I mean, lug nuts are the same and tires are the same, but in terms of you know the carriers, like the, t- the wheel openings on a truck are so much tighter and making adjustments is very, very difficult on a truck just because the down bars on the bed you know you when you're going to stick a wrench in you're using a wrench that's like three feet long you know there's just it's for me as a rear changer it's so much longer around the back of a truck than it is a cup car and xfinity car so you know while you're still you know in a competitive situation and hitting lug nuts and things like that it's not quite the tune up that you would think with the truck deal but the xfinity deals can certainly be helpful um, but it is sometimes nice to just have a saturday off and and not have to do anything and then just you know be super fresh for a sunday but we don't get that very often
2: no, not these days. That's for sure. You mentioned um, at times fixing damage and repair. Um, how much preparation and car knowledge do you do you need to have as one of the guys to go over the racetrack, or do you have so that when the car comes in and you're on the damage uh, repair uh, the, the 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 damage clock? How, how much of that do you study, practice, know,
1: understand? How how does that work into what all you do? A lot of that's experience, and and for us you know, if it's going to be something quick, um, we'll leave the pit crew out over the wall, the full five guys, you know, we'll, we'll do what we have to do. If things are really bad, a couple of us will actually tap out. I'm normally one of those guys that will tap out and we'll let the car chief go over, or we'll let, you know, one of our other road guys go over, uh, James, our, our carrier is a fabricator for, for one of the race teams. So he has a ton of knowledge in terms of that type of stuff. And, and the biggest thing is just making sure behind the wall that, you know, if you, especially if you have the time to do so is to put your plan together, like, okay, we have damage on the right front and the right rear We know we need to go do this, we need to clearance fenders, you know, if there's any broken seams, we know we need to get some tape or some bear bond on the seams like to have that plan and to say okay you're going to go here and do this you're going to go here and do that because because of that damage clock you only have so much time to work with. So you've got to get as much done as you can. And the big thing is always clearing fenders because if you come in, fix damage, put tires on, go back right back out and you still have a fender on a tire and blow it like that is very, very bad. So you want to make sure at the very least that you have those fenders cleared. And, and there's things like for me in the rear that I'm always looking for when I go out for damage because there's, you know there's certain fender braces that are in specific places that you know you look to see if they're broken or bent you look at crush panels you look at different things to make sure that you can handle you know the damage that's in front of you and and know that okay if i get these certain things out of the way then i'm not going to have that tire cut down or if i you know if i could pull a certain way or whatever that you can make sure that that car can go back out and at least be in enough shape that it can roll around without causing more problems
2: yeah no doubt it is it's uh it, it's interesting it really truly is and it's it's it's, it's fascinating the, uh, the degree. One of the things, Justin, you posted after Martinsville, you posted a video um, addressing the behind the wall guys, the support guys. We all see the signboard guy. That's the one. But how many people, what are some of the things that are so important to support the five of you out over the wall? What are some of the things that are key for those people that don't go across the wall?
1: Well, for us, you know, you can't have a successful pit stop unless the guys behind the wall are, are doing their part. They're just as important as what we're doing over the wall. And, I, you know, you see on TV, the focus ends up being on us because we're the ones actually doing the work to change the tires. But you've got hose guys front and rear. Um, and for me in the rear, the hose isn't necessarily as important to me, but it's really important to James, my carrier, because if that hose is in the way where he's trying to stand he's trying to hang and you know, he's trying to index an 80 pound tire. And if he's, if he ends up standing on a hose, like he's going down with an 80 pound tire. So like you have to, you know, that's an important job. The hose in the front is very, very important. Like, you know, you've seen when that hose gets stuck under a splitter or something like that, like that just kills a pit stop. Um, and the tweet that I actually posted is, is David crops is one of our road mechanics. He's our, and you know, we used to call it eighth man, you know, that's dating me in terms of how many guys we used to have over the wall. It's not eighth man anymore. It's sixth man now, but David is the guy that goes over a wall to service the driver. So he's going to pull a tear off and hand over drinks and things like that. But because we have are so limited on how many people we can bring to the racetrack. Now, David's not only doing that, but then he has to come back over the wall because he has to roll in the left rear tire. So you'll watch him on, on the video that I posted. He goes out, he pulls a tear off. He comes back over the wall. He grabs a tire, sets it down. And then as our jackman, because our jackman hangs the left rear tire for me, he has to set the Jack pump the car. And then as he comes off the end of the handle, he's then gotta grab the tire to be able to index it on the left rear. And what David does is he has to roll like, and we're not even talking about like he's sitting out there. He's literally rolling the tire in. So he's gotta know where where the specific tire placement has got to be. And there's a a piece of tape that Doug needs to have up. Doug R. Jackman has to have up because that's where his hand needs to be. So David has to roll the tire very specifically so that it ends up right where Doug's gonna be grabbing it with his hand on that spot. And if that doesn't happen, that causes all sorts of problems. And so it's very, very important that the guys behind the wall that are handing fuel cans, that are handing in tires, that are catching tires, that are, you know, dealing with hoses, that they are locked just as locked in as we are. And it's good for us because we have a lot of guys behind the wall on our team that actually used to be over-the-wall guys. So both David Crops and our car chief, Joe, used to change tires. Uh, Mike Riggs, who hands in a can, used to be a tire carrier. So we, we have a ton of experience on both sides to be able to handle those situations. And, and it's really valuable for us to be able to have that.
2: During a pit stop, you're the, you're the, you're the rear tire changer. You're the guy that's I, – I always, I always share when I used to do pit tours, and especially like a place like Talladega and Daytona, I talk about the level of concentration you have to have, and if you don't believe it, just go to the highway and where the speed limit is 55 miles per hour, which is what it is at Daytona, turn around and get down on your knees on the on the yellow line on the side of the road and let the cars go by behind you at 55 miles per hour the concentration level has got to be amazing not only when you're sitting there doing it the trust in the drivers the trust in everybody but then as you get up inevitably there's going to be times when that guy in the pit box behind you is pulling out how close does that get the the, the how, how do you how do you need to focus on that as well while still doing the the lug nuts and all
1: A lot of it in terms of me being on the rear and and guys coming around me and all of that is just timing. And, and as you kind of figure out how you're going to do pit stops and things like that. And as you watch where those guys behind you are running in the field, whether they're, you know, going to be pulling in or pulling out depending on where you are, you, you kind of get a feel for where you're going to be in the pit stop when they're going to be pulling out. And at Richmond, Logano was behind us and obviously Logano was kind of running at the pointy end of the field. And, you know, we ran top 20, top 25 all day. And so we knew as we were pulling in and we'd get to the right side, then not long after we got to the right side, Joey was going to be pulling out. And it's one of those situations where you know that that is coming and you just try to block it out as much as you can. And, and, I've certainly had plenty of moments in my career where I've gotten up on the right side and, and met a driver head on. Um, I got wiped out by a fuel can at the Daytona 500 last year uh, from Chase Elliott, uh, which I still don't understand how I didn't get any TV time out of that. They talked about Martin Truex hitting his fuel can, but I was literally laying face down on pit road, the Daytona 500, and nobody seemed to notice. Um, but you just understand that that's just kind of part of the deal. Um, and you kind of accept a certain level of, of danger and things like that when you decide to do what we do, but try to minimize that as much as you can. And when you know, you're going to meet a driver at the corner, um, you know, in a situation like, you know, whether it's Logano or, you know, I've, I've, I've had all kinds of run ins with Casey Kane and Kyle Bush and plenty of guys over the years. Um, but. try to understand those situations and and at least set yourself up for as soon as that driver is then clear and you have your running lane that you can then take off and and do what you need to do but try to minimize that as much as you can try to set yourself up the best you can so that you don't have those situations and and try to minimize those those kind of danger points
2: yeah if i'm not mistaken that daytona incident was the 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 fuel can in uh, casey's car kind of hung in the car as he took off and he kind of slung it. So you, you have the car, you have your car, you have everything, but you actually ended up with a different object there. That's not part of a normal routine. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So as I got up at the corner of the car, I saw chase roll by and I, all I saw was a red flash. And I, in the moment I thought, is that a fuel can? And then the next thing I was laying on the ground because the, 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 the can actually hit me in the foot. And I mean, you imagine you're, you you're full stride and all of a sudden one of your, you know, you're a runner, you, you know what that's yeah. like. You know, you're full stride, and all of a sudden, one of your feet's not underneath you. It was there was not going to be a good ending to that situation. But um, you know, it, it's it's just one of those things that happens. And and you know, over the course of a season, you know, or you know, the longer you do this, you're going to have more of those opportunities, and and you just have to recover as quickly as you can and and get back to the job because that's what's expected.
2: A lot of times when we talk with um, with uh, uh, pit crew members, uh, they're former athletes, college athletes, on campus recruiting. We've talked a lot about that here on Crew Call. You don't have that. What was what was in your background that made you decide to jump off walls in front of race cars?
1: So I I mean I played sports all the way up through high school, um, not very successfully, but but good enough that I could continue. I was, I always played baseball. Um, but I was always a race fan, always, you know, found a reason to get to the racetrack and and grew up in a family of Earnhardt fans. My dad was a big Earnhardt fan. Um, but my dad works in the sport too. And and at the time I had gone to the University of Miami to just, you know, be a college kid and, and go to go to school. And when I got done, I was setting myself up to kind of work in sports. I have a marketing degree mm-hmm. and, and all of that, but When I got done, he was working for a truck team at the time and was doing catch can when we still had catch can guys. And I had kind of heard about, you know, the opportunity to be a pit crew member and that you could probably make pretty good money. And it seemed pretty appealing to me where I could, you know, almost have a second chance at an athletic career and maybe make some money and be competitive. And I loved racing. Um, And so when I got out of school, I was like, well, if my dad can go over the wall and he's old and, and all of these things that I could go over the wall, too. So I went through the pit uh, crew school up in Mooresville and uh, you know, was kind of off and running from there. But I, I am not the college athlete. I did not play college football. I did not play pro sports. Uh, we certainly have guys like that on, even on the 43. Our jackman Doug was played football at Elon. Our our fuel man Ian played at uh, football at Ball State. Um, we've got plenty of guys in the RCR program too that have had you know past experience with that. But uh, that is not me. I am I am about as normal a guy as you can get. I'm six foot one. I weigh 175 pounds, and and uh, <laughs> I don't have experience in in some of these things. But I'm a racer. I, you know, I grew up around racing. I've been to the racetrack you know since I was a little kid, and and uh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Okay, am I right? You grew up in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how does
2: someone from Oregon end up at the University of Miami and and someone from from Oregon being a NASCAR fan? There's, there's, There's some geography here that doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: So we used to have a a little speedway in Medford uh, called Medford Speedway. uh, That was a dirt track, actually. Um, And and Southern Oregon is a big uh, timber, was a big timber industry. So my my dad, the the, the racetrack was on uh, kind of one of the end of the mills. So like once you got past the kind of the wood mill then there was a speedway there. And and at the time, my dad was a tow truck driver and I was probably two or three or four years old. And so my dad would go out and work the races on Friday night. You know, he'd be the tow truck driver in the infield for whatever crashes and stuff happened. And my mom and me would sit in the stands. And then from there, you know, my dad being, you know, a NASCAR fan, my dad is a dirt racer. He, he grew up as a dirt racer in the Midwest. My dad's from South Dakota. And so like racing was just always one of those things that was just kind of around. And then as I grew older, we started going to go into places like uh, Portland Speedway and Portland International Raceway. And, and um, a, a good friend of mine is Kevin Hamlin, who spots for Alex Bowman. Kevin is a multi-time uh, NASCAR Northwest Series champion. Uh, you know, NASCAR used to have these big traveling late model series kind of regionally. And, and I got to know Kevin when I was 15, 16 years old and followed his, his career um, and so, you know, you don't think of, of the Pacific Northwest as a, as a huge motorsports area and, and a, a lot of racing, but there is actually a ton of really great racing there. And, and you, you know, you look at Oregon, you look at Washington, um, there's some great racetracks. Evergreen speedway is one that, that comes to mind. And, and you just saw like, you know, talking about dirt racing connections, uh, Kaylee Bryson and, and buddy Kofoid just made their pavement, uh, late model debuts at a track called South sound speedway, which is in tonight Washington, which is a track we used to go to all the time to watch. It's a little three ACE track uh, up in Washington that we used to go watch Kevin race out all the time. So there's actually a really great motorsports community in, in the Northwest, but uh, me going to Miami, it, it wasn't Oregon. And I'd grown up in Oregon, lived in Oregon my whole life. And I just wanted to get out and live somewhere else for a while. And, and when I showed up on Miami, Miami I'd, I'd never even been to the state of Florida. I, I basically oh. agreed to go there. I'd never been to Miami, never been to Florida. Uh, but one of the, uh, to this day, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life.
2: I guess. Yeah. What a, what a, what a climate change and probably a lot of other changes. That's for yes, sure. for sure. Man, that's crazy. That's cool. That is really neat, Justin. Uh, you have filled in for uh, on Wing Nation with us our Sprint Car Show, um, and you have launched your own website and your own podcast, Dirt Tracker d i r t r a c k r dot com. Um, why? Would you do? Did do you, you have an hour or two during the week? You didn't have something going on. Why? What? What? Where did that come from?
1: Oh, I worked for the world of outlaws for, for seven years. Um, we started a podcast there called open red, which, uh, uh, you know, a lot of sprint car fans would know about. Um, and I left the world of outlaws in 2020 uh, just to kind of focus on my NASCAR career and, and, and spend some more time with my family. But in the meantime, I wanted to kind of stay involved with dirt racing. I love the community. I love the product. There's so much racing uh, that happens on a regular basis and, and building the site and, and having the podcast is just a way for me to kind of stay involved and, and, you know, I, I, do the show daily. It's probably crazy that I do a daily show. Um, but it probably takes me two or three hours to put together a 10 minute episode on a daily basis. But the, one of the cool things about being a pit crew member is we certainly have our commitments. You know, we work on the weekends and I have to be at practices and meetings and stuff throughout the week, but it, it does afford us a lot of free time to do a lot of stuff. So um, I do have some, some spare time here and there where I'm allowed to work on some stuff. And, and uh, it's nice to be able to, to be able to be a fan and be able to talk about things. And, and I love podcasting and, and all of that type of stuff. So it's a nice way to kind of put all of that together. Yeah, but daily, really? Yeah. Why did I? I don't know. I don't know why I decided to do daily. Nobody else, literally in their right mind, is doing anything daily in terms of podcasts or shows. And so it was like, well, no one else is doing this daily. Maybe I could do this daily. And all all I've learned is that it's really, really hard, uh, especially to come up with topics on a day to day basis. But um, I know I write a full script every day. So, you know, I'm writing 1,500 to 2,000 words on a a daily basis to put these shows together. So it's a lot of work, but uh, it's been a lot of fun so far.
2: Now you do a great job with it. I always, uh, I, I try to most days check in and see what's going on in the world, and I appreciate it. I love, um, I love that it's uh, you cover a vast array of sprint car racing. We focus with Wing Nation on wing sprint cars, uh, but you've got to use that guy, a late model guy, a modified guy, and I love the. Uh, I, I love and respect every part of it. So it's kind of like my speed sport news, if you will, uh, where you cover it all. Well, Justin, I'll tell you, uh, it is great to catch up with you. appreciate you taking some time and wish you the best here at Kansas this weekend and Darlington with all the pit stops. But uh, thanks for the insight into, into, into what you do and and the, uh, the the 2021 version of being on a pit crew for NASCAR.
1: Yeah, no, I certainly appreciate the time and uh, good luck with everything you guys got going on.
2: There we go. Justin Feeder joining us here on Crew Call
0: It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word: Broomgate.
2: I know. At the top of the show, I mentioned that Justin was a student of Pit Stops. Yeah, I think he's a master's degree student at Pit Stops. Uh, man, what a what a neat guy, and always a pleasure to talk to. And. If I need to know anything about pit stops, I know who I am searching for. Uh, Justin Fiedler, he is the rear tire changer for Richard Petty Motorsports. We are all on our way to Kansas, one of my favorite trips of the year. I love going to Kansas, Kansas Speedway this weekend. When we look at this racetrack, it is moderately worn out. It was repaved in 2012. We're getting there on the worn out phase of this thing. Tires are going to be important, but it's going to be a battle with strategy on tires versus track position. Who has, if you have track position and fresh tires, you're in really good shape. What do you need to do to get that track position and have good tires so a lot of strategy involved this weekend when we look at the race at kansas when we look at the the format of the race the cup series race 80 laps is stage one another 80 laps is stage two and then 107 laps takes us to 267 so three fairly similar length stages so the strategy plays on the first one the second one may be something we need to keep an eye on when we get to the third and final stage motor racing network is going to be there all weekend long triple header coverage again and you can find out all of this on mrn.com just go to the schedule tab and not only can you find our schedule but also you can get reminders set so that we'll let you know every time motor racing network is on the air we start our coverage on saturday afternoon one o'clock eastern time it's the dutch boy 150 for the arkham Menard series then we have a little bit of downtime i hope we have a little bit of downtime seven o'clock on saturday night it is the Wise Power 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. And then the big one on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Yes, the Bush, Mc, the Bushy McBush. I am going to butcher that all week long. The Bushy McBush Race 400 for the Cup Series. I kid you not. That's the name of the race. Motor Racing Network, every time again on Sunday afternoon, is 2 o'clock. So tune in for the Bushy McBush Race 400. I think I got it. There you have it. Hey, thanks to Justin Fiedler for joining us here on Crew Call. More important, though, than all of that, thank you for joining us here on Crew Call by Hercules Tires, right on Cars